the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast, the home of P6 football at SB Nation's Underdog Dynasty. And this is what we call Joe Talk, and that is me, Joe Serp. Follow me on Twitter at, oh, excuse me, my name is Joe Serpico. You can follow me at Joe Serp, excuse me. My buddies all call me Joe Serp, so I do go by that in this area quite a bit. Um, on the other side of the mic is Joe Broback. Who you can find at Joe Broback. Yeah, you're getting real personal with everybody, using nicknames and whatnot. Hey, we're all friends here, right? Yeah, you could you could say that. We're all friends. Here. I'd like to think so. Some, most of us are at least most, yeah some like to ruffle our feathers a little bit but we love you guys still you make it worth it that we do but all right as always what we're gonna do here is we're gonna recap what happened at last week since it was a wild wild week in college football plenty of upsets plenty of stuff to talk about um, we'll dive into some news regarding the conference as well we'll do our over under game and then we'll wrap it up with a look ahead at to week nine. So I got to write this week, right? Week nine. Yeah. Insane. It is crazy. I know. I feel like we say that every week, but literally it just like flies. I feel like I talked to you and then literally talked to you a couple days later, which I guess is kind of, every week maybe feels it's weird true. that it's another week. Yeah, I guess that's just the way it goes. So. It's true. But all right, which which one do you want to get started? You want to start with us? Wondering what the heck happened to Houston, or do you want to start with Memphis is blowing up Tulane, or do we want to just go right into my alma mater? And let's start with uh, let's start with the the negative, and let's move towards the positives. Which one's the negative? You, there's only one true negative. I know you think Temple losing is a negative, but that was a negative. It's not that bad. All right. The one negative we can agree on. Okay, then. We can both agree that uh, Houston is uh, on UConn's level, and that is kind of scary. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I put them on their level, but... Well, there's the thing. Okay, best player Houston's in that game bad. Was, Dane, was Dane Roy, the punter, for Christ's sake. Well, I hate to break you, but Dane Roy's been the highlight of every Houston game so far, unfortunately. But this is Houston's is not a great team. They're not a good team right now. They're just a they're a bad team, and I, I don't and know. I personally thought that they had more depth than this. I know. I mean, it's we're acting like it's like they're tanking, but they literally only shut down two guys. Granted, yes, those two guys put up a good chunk of the offense, but you know everybody else is still there. Defensive side, offense, offensive linemen, and all that whatnot, and all the other skill makers, or whatever. My mouth. I got you. My mouth, I got my you. My mouth is not working again tonight. Um, <laughs> the only difference is the quarterback. Now this week they find they went with uh, Logan Holgerson, coach's son, and. Maybe that had something to do with it. I mean, maybe there's a reason why he was a walk-on. Because I mean, yeah, that was he's not ready. Yeah, that, I mean, that was just putrid. He had uh, well, what's the number I wrote down? Thirty-seven yards passing before the Singleton broke through for that fifty-eight-yard touchdown, and he only finished with one hundred and twenty-three against UConn. I mean, I know I remember reading it in your article. Like this was a game that we expected Houston to kind of get maybe somewhat back on track, you know, could do some things uh, positively. And I don't think you can come away from with anything positive from this game other than the play of, and I'm blanking on his name real quick, but I know I saw that you got the 15 tackles this week. And a, oh, Grant Stewart? Yes, yes. Dude, Grant Stewart it, is, you talk about a guy that you want on your team just for pure attitude and hustle, I him, not even a question. It's like Tim Tebow ever, effort. So it's like Temple, except for this past weekend. All the Temple right. guys, except for this past weekend. Well, here, here's the so here's the thing: the, every team's gonna have a game in which they they don't play like themselves, and this was definitely Houston's game. You could people are gonna say well, that they have other losses, but like 
they did they did decent against Oklahoma. You know, they were never beating Oklahoma, but they did decent. They almost beat Washington State. They didn't play bad. They were literally two plays away from beating from almost beating Tulane. And then Cincinnati, they were in that game too. This is like the first bad game that they played. And the most concerning thing outside of the quarterback play is the fact that UConn had five or six deep plays that the quarterback overthrew his receivers. And it wasn't like the receivers were closely guarded. They were wide open. And that's to me, that's the more concerning thing is the defense just could not get it together. Now, granted, Stewart made a – he chased a guy down, tackled him at like the two-yard line, and then Houston held UConn. Mm -hmm four plays in a row and didn't let him score. So that was, that was, you know, I, I guess if you're looking for a positive, that's probably the positive of the game, but the defense did not play well. And that's <laughs> given like they were making so much progress up until this point, And now they just take a step back. That's just frustrating. And considering the, the opponent, you know what I mean? I think that's gotta be the most frustrating thing about it. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you score 24 against any other team in the conference, I mean, compared to what we've seen from Houston the past couple of years, yeah, that that's kind of disappointing. But when it's UConn, like, you expect to go in there and just blast them. And, yeah. and, and it was, we said it was that UConn's not as bad. So it's not like this is the same UConn team as last year, but it's still a team that you should. I was looking forward to Houston getting a chance to – you know, kind of get into a rhythm, a get some bit. success yeah. for once. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how, I don't know. It just seems like it's really falling off the rails. I mean, we talked about last week with the, uh, what's his name? Justin Murphy blasting the team. And then the week before that, we're talking about dear King, uh, you know, sitting out for a year. So it just seems like every week it's something different with Houston and one dramatic week after another. Exactly. And it's, it hasn't been anything good as of late. Ugh. All right, we can move on now. <laughs> I'm depressed. <laughs> uh, before I, I want to rub in UConn's terrible stats a little bit. So obviously, there's that's their sixth straight loss. So that doesn't mean anything. Fifteenth loss in a row in the conference. Oof, bad. Twenty second no in a row to FBS teams. Their only wins the past couple of years have been against FCS squads. I mean, this is just brutal. And guess what? Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more about this later. Somehow, UConn's a freaking favorite this week. And they just got a million dollars to play UCF in the future, so that looks great for the Knights. Yep, that's that's UCF holding out a little too long, and that's what you yep. get. You get to keep the conflict, baby. <laughs> the dumbest trophy of all time, but so funny. I hope they bring it back just for that. I hope UConn just continues to make it a thing and UCF continues to not acknowledge it. Who's going to acknowledge UConn football once they leave this conference? I know this podcast isn't. Definitely not. Not that we talk about them a lot, but it's just going to be nice to not worry about one more team. And it's also going to be nice to um, for the conference as a whole to get boosted up in just about every statistical category. There you go. I guess this is the point. I get to the the little thing that I wanted to talk about. We'll just sneak it in here since we're talking about UConn. But since UConn is on the way out, that gives um, the latest news that we've heard from the conference this weekend. That is the fact that they got the okay from the NCAA to still have a conference championship game and still be eligible to qualify for a New Year's Six uh, bowl game even though they're going to be down with 11 teams, similar to what the uh, – is it the Big 12 that's doing it? I believe it's so. Big 12. Well, don't they have 10? That's what I thought, too. That's why I didn't think that made sense. Yeah, they have 10. Yeah, maybe ah, – There's not an odd number. Whatever. Because, they, yeah, they play nine – every team plays nine uh, conference games. The only thing that – okay, I guess that's the, that's the thing I really wanted to, to talk with you about. So the only thing with that – you know, when we have these divisions now, you know, we know that everybody that is on the East division is going to play each other. 
everybody in the West, obviously. So then you get, you know, the crossovers. But what's we're going to have to kind of figure out with this new round robin, I guess they're going to have to do something along those lines, is um, can you keep, say, the war on I-4 every year? I think you've got to find a way to make sure that game happens. Well, they're in the same division, so they should. Well, this year, you should, you I'm talking about next year, there is no more divisions, so... Oh, they okay. That was going to be my question. I yeah, oh, I, I guess I should have said that. Yeah, was... They scrapped the divi- so next year there will be no more divisions. It'll just oh, so okay. I guess that's why you brought two, up the Big Twelve yeah, then. Top two teams in the conference, and then that I mean then that gets dicey too because then you got to figure out you know we talked about how last year the AAC West had records tied and all their crazy tiebreakers and for some reason Memphis was the representative. You know, then it gets even crazier. I would think. When you don't even have divisions, like you just got to go. I mean, what happens when a bunch of teams go, let's say, uh, six and one in a conference? I don't even know how many games they play in the conference. Eight, eight games in a conference. Right. So yeah. say, say three teams go seven and one. Who are you leaving out? That that's got to be the thing that the conference is going to have to figure out. Yeah, it's that. I think that is going to be the one thing, and then, like I said earlier, the whole schedule, scheduling aspect to it too, because you want to keep some of those rivalries intact, obviously UCF and and USF, and then you know you want to see the the two Texas teams still play each other if they're going to be in the same conference, they might as well be playing each other. So, but then you got some of these schools like who is their you know, quote unquote rival in the conference? Like who's Temple's rival in the conference? Is it, well, is that, it yeah, that's what because, I was going to say. You know, is it Navy just because of they're the closest one? That's literally the only thing I can think of. And we beat yeah. them in the uh, conference championship. I mean, that is literally the only, I would say, rival that we have in this conference. And yeah, there's you, not a ton I mean, of natural rivals. Navy, I mean, we know who their rivals are, and they're not in this conference. Right. So that makes things uh, – that's going to be the hard part. I mean, if you're Temple, you don't care. You can just play whoever. But let, uh, yeah. let's let's get into them. Let me just get my my depression out of the way now. Get your soap proper over. Yeah, let me just get this out of the way now. Before I, because okay, you said it before too. It's not a bad loss for Temple. All right, losing to an undefeated SMU team, who, I mean, they were just clicking on Saturday. It didn't. I mean, he he even said it after the game. He being a uh, Reggie Robertson, he said it after the game. He caught three touchdown passes for 250 yards, which was a career high. I mean, he said it, and I, I was semi paying attention to it too because I literally was wondering every time it was a different jersey. They tried to put every single guy on him, and nobody could stop Robertson. I mean, he just had a field day. He was behind the defense. I mean, the two deep shots. There was the one from 75 and another one from 60, and. He just lived behind the Temple defense. And this was a Temple defense coming into this game that was one of the best in the country. They were, I mean, they were, if I remember what I wrote in my article last week, it was they were, they were ranked 31st in total defense. They were one of the best, they were number four in uh, red zone defense. Now, granted, a lot of these were big plays, but still, they, to allow 45 after. I mean, we held some. We held that Maryland team that many thought back then was going to put up another 40, 50 point game. They sure as hell did not. Um, Memphis, just last week, you hold them to uh, just a couple touchdowns. And granted, that was because Brady White turned the ball over left and right. But Shane Bouchelle, I mean, I guess I really want to talk about just how good he looked this week. He, he is by far running away with player of the year. I think even if De'Ara King was in this conference still, I think Bouchelle is just running away with it. I don't even think it's close. He throws- Well, and he's new to the conference too, which a lot of times it's like, who's the new name that's doing well? well we both, so he has that We both picked him. him to be the, uh, what is, is a newcomer of the year, I think the conference technically calls it. Yeah. yeah. I think we both picked him to be that guy just because, I mean, common sense. It doesn't, but neither of us expected the ridiculousness that he's doing right now. And he, I told yeah, he's you, made a huge impact before the, before we started. The, yeah, he throws, and we saw plenty in this game. 
the one of the prettiest deep balls I've seen in college football. Yeah, when he's it's it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of similar to Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma. You know, you you're in a you're at a program that you're not you're not getting the reps that you want and you're not getting the playing time that you want. So you, you decide I'm going to go somewhere else and it's a different system and it looks like it fits his skill set better to throw the ball as much as he, I mean, he threw the ball 53 times on Saturday and obviously it worked out. So it's, it's interesting, like like you said, you and I thought he'd be the newcomer year, but I don't think either of us thought that he'd be at the top because he's pretty much taken the lead besides probably Kenneth Gainwell. is probably the only one that's close to him in contending for the player of the year. And then you throw you know, Sonny Dykes just I got one more guy in that discussion. Who? Malcolm Perry. I can't believe I'm saying this because I've hated on Navy. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're 5-1, so yeah, I I can't argue against that. But I think Bouchelle is by far the leader, and his coach, Sonny Dykes, is the leader for Coach of the Year right now after that win over Temple. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I think even I, – I personally, what I talked about last week to a lot of people is that we saw Temple play sluggish on the road against Buffalo, obviously. That was terrible. Um, then they did it again against ECU. You know, I, I had a feeling that this was coming because because it just doesn't seem like they – I don't know what it is, but these road games, they're just – I don't know if they're just not getting up for them or if it's the travel. I have no idea what it is. But then when you go you – know, if, you, if you struggle against Buffalo, you struggle against ECU on the road, and then you got to take on this SMU team who, like you said, I mean, Bouchelle – with Sonny Dykes, it just seems to be like a perfect match for the air raid right now. And, and I don't know, you may know this better, but I feel like we know that Ellinger it was a big uh, runner for Texas. But was, did did Bouchelle move like he did? Like, was the offense still the same for Texas as it is now with Ellinger? Because well, obviously they didn't throw the ball like this SMU team does. So that's why I'm kind of curious if like the whole brand new offense, like if anyone across the country could even saw this coming. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't think you could say that you saw it coming because if you watched Bouchelle at Texas with, well, he, so he played with, did he play with Charlie strong? Probably. Uh, he would have been, or has he just been with Tom Herman? Uh, That's a good question. Well, regardless, either, either system, was not I don't know it's 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 another reason why I'm a big advocate for go somewhere where you can play because it, it, I mean I, I understand if it's your dream to go to a school like Texas or Alabama and you're good enough to do it like by all means go ahead and do that but if you want to play college football go somewhere that's going to be the best for you and obviously Bushell thought he could win the starting job and he and Ellinger went back and forth but it wasn't working. And granted, Ellinger's the better runner between the two, but he's Ellinger's also improved as a passer this year too, which is a big reason why Texas offense is so much better. Granted, now they're struggling, but that's not the point. Bouchelle's obviously doing great things with Sonny Dykes running the program and running an offense that seems to fit his skill set better, and it's it's – I don't know. I, it would be tough to say that anyone saw this coming, given what they saw. Because if you watch his film at Texas, it wasn't great. He was very inaccurate. He turned the ball over quite a bit. And he and Millinger, obviously, like I said, went back and forth. So it's tough to say, yeah, this is a long time coming because he did really well at Texas, but just got beat out by a better guy because that wasn't the case. But it looks like this is just a perfect match of a guy looking for a new home and a coach that's got a system that fits his skill set well. Yeah, it'll be crazy to see just, I mean, career highs this past weekend against, like I said earlier, a Temple defense of secondary that has been one of the best in the country. 457, six touchdowns. I mean, it was just absurd how well that he played this week. 
They were so efficient. Well, and he's got too. talent at receiver too. Oh, with you know Robertson obviously has 250 yards, but James Prochet it only had 80, and like that's <laughs> that's an underrated part of it. Yeah, Bouchel's playing really well, but he he also has weapons, and that we're not even talking about Xavier Jones. Who I was just about to break that 105 yards. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, and then you have Kimon Freeman behind Jones, too. Like, the skill set of, or the, I should say the depth of their skill players right now is is an underrated part of this offense. And obviously, they've all got, at some point this year, they've all gotten recognition for having big games. We, you know, we talked about Xavier Jones' emergent, or reemergence as an elite back in the conference. And Roberson's been dealing with injuries, but we know what he's capable of, and we saw that on Saturday. And James Prochet has been the talk of the team for most of the season already. So it's like, pick your poison. You want to take away Prochet, then Robertson beats you. You want to take away both of them. Xavier Jones will just run through you. And then if you're if you're not careful, Shane Bouchel, he just threw for 450 yards, so he can beat you too. It's just like, how do you beat that? And then you look at their schedule remaining and – Cake. There's not yeah. there's not a, a defense that I'm worried. Maybe Tulane at the end of the year, but and, you know Memphis could surprise them too. But that there's not a defense that you look at this that the game the matchup they have and you think oh well SMU will struggle there. It's SMU is going to handle business, and the only way that they don't is if someone surprises them. I am so the the one takeaway I take from what you just said there. I actually was very impressed with Memphis's defense this weekend. Oh, same. So I do think I think that I mean I think that's the game for them. I think the way that Memphis went after Tulane this past week, I guess we can kind of semi segue and talk a little bit about all I guess all three teams here. But you know, I think Memphis proved that there is a way to beat Tulane. Granted no other team in the conference has a Kenneth Gainwell. That kid is just absurd. And then Brady White. This was the Brady White that I ranked number four, by the way. This is what I was expecting all season long. The guy that throws for well, you, you and five teams. all Memphis fans. And, yeah. But, okay. Let's, last year, me and you did a lot of love for, uh, for D.R. King, and it was rightfully so. Let's gush over Gainwell real quick, can we? I would love to. I mean, the guy is just okay. So he breaks records, all right. First player in the FBS to go over 200 yards receiving and 100 yards rushing since Troy Edwards, who went to La Tech. Now, you know, usually when you hear these little nuggets like that, it's like somebody who did this like maybe three, four, maybe five years ago. This hasn't been done since 1997, Joe. A long time ago. There has been some damn good football players since 1997, and like I mean, I even said it last week. So last week he was just two yards short of being the first player in in the country to go over 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving. And then the following week he literally just triples it up. Like it's just absurd how good this guy is. Well, and you look at the lineage of of Memphis backs in the past few years. Each you look at you have Daryl Henderson last year, and obviously we know what he he did. And you think, okay, they're probably not going to replicate that to success. And granted, you know they're not they're not doing what Henderson did on the ground, but they're finding different ways to do it. But then you come into the year, and Patrick Taylor is the guy and you're thinking okay taylor gets his chance to be the starter we get to see what he can do as a starter and and then he gets hurt and you're kind of a little bit worried because you have so much unproven talent that is behind him and here comes this freshman that no one's heard of besides people around memphis and you know mike norvell and his staff and this dude just is better than anyone expected and the coaching staff loves his abilities, not only just running the ball, but as you said, I mean, he had 200 yards receiving. You don't just do that as a running back if you're not good at receiver. And the coaching staff said that they 
they could put him at wide receiver and he'd be one of their best targets. So it's it's almost unfair to have someone so good as a as a freshman too. It, it's just another you know talk about another guy who we didn't expect to be really good. In fact, all three guys that you and I just talked about for potential players of the year with Gainwell, Perry, and Bouchelle, we didn't expect any of them to be doing what they're doing right now. No, I mean we just assumed it was a King runaway. Exactly, and now King's not even an option. Yeah, no, you're, that's the funny thing about it. So, and I even thought when King went down, I thought it would be you know a wide open race between multiple guys in this conference. I thought mostly quarterbacks, but I think um, I think already, I think Perry is you know I'm not too happy that they made my preseason prediction look bad, but. I mean, good for Navy, and he's obviously he's the reason for it. But I don't think he's as close as the other two. I think right now, if, if I think it's Bouchelle's to take, just because he's the quarterback for a seven and team. But then, I mean, Gainwell is definitely nipping at his heels. I mean, if he keeps putting up these crazy, I mean, three hundred and seven yards total this past week. I I just you know the number just doesn't make sense for a skill position player. There's quarterbacks in this conference that didn't put up 307 yards this week. Right. Yeah. And well, and I think if you if you saw someone in the you you would expect if someone had 300 plus yards as a running back, you would expect them to have 200 plus yards rushing and also 100 yard maybe 100 yards receiving, not the other way around. Yeah, I agree with yeah, I agree with that. So my other question for you, I know it's a little bit early. Because, but one played last night and he looked pretty good against my uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Who, by the way, both my teams went into Dallas and got blasted. Um, compare Gainwell to Pollard right now. To Pollard right now, I just ugh. Because Gainwell, I mean, number, I mean, Gainwell, at least in this game, obviously is way better than anything Pollard's ever done. But we know what Pollard was. Okay, let me put it this way. Pollard was such a dynamic returner that that was part of the reason why they tried to get him the ball in the open space. But I don't remember him being this impactful. No, and I think right now Gamewell is better than Pollard was in the offense. Granted, Tony Pollard was competing with a lot more talent, I would argue, because last year it was Daryl Henderson who had over 2,000 yards rushing. Uh, and Patrick Taylor. Or 2,000 total, 2, total, total yards, I should say. And, and Patrick Taylor. And, you know, uh, the year before, you add in Anthony Miller. So there's not a lot of touches to go around. So I think that's the, it. that adds to the lack of production. I mean, he was still doing really well, but he's not as productive as Gainwell was because there weren't as many touches to go around. And this year, you look at it, and there, there, there's, there are – targets for Brady White downfield and granted there's people behind Gainwell obviously it helps that Patrick Taylor's hurt not that that's a good thing but he has more opportunities to do so but you can even if even if you had the same number of opportunities I think Gainwell would still be more productive than Pollard and that's crazy considering how high people were on Tony Pollard Pollard went in the third round so that just and neither one of us saw that coming no, wait, excuse me. Right. That was Henderson who went in the third round, right? Henderson went third round. He went. Did he go fifth? I think Pollard? he went fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. But still, I, I mean, I'm going to be 100% honest. As much as I liked Pollard last year as a return guy, I didn't expect him to make such an impact as a rusher in the NFL, but good for him, man. Yeah, he's. Uh, it's it's kind of like, yeah, well, Gainwell and then, Penn State's KJ Hamler are kind of similar, where NFL teams are going to like having the the versatility with them running the ball and also you know th- throwing it out, out wide and have them run routes. It's just it's a nice weapon to have, and and 
holy crap, did Memphis surprise us this week? Did not well, like you said, Brady White. That's the that's the guy that you were so high on coming into the season, and it's the guy that we all hoped that Memphis would have because that Brady White is going to lead this team to a conference championship, and it just comes down to if he can be more consistent and. Right now, Tulane was coming into this game was the team that a lot of people thought would compete with SMU, and especially after Memphis lost last week, we didn't think that they would be able to compete anymore because we didn't know what Brady White could do. And then you throw in <laughs> this week, and, you know, it just kind of messes everything up, but it just puts Memphis back on the map almost, not that they were off our radar, but what a statement to beat a team like Tulane by 30 points. Yeah, there was a uh, a good chunk of change in Vegas that went the Tulane way. Uh, I, I was paying attention to that. And Memphis just blasted them, man. That, like I said, that's the Brady White we've been expect, expecting all season long. But even with that said, I mean, just gain well. It's just... He's, just something else. Love to see players like that coming out of this conference. Because this was, a, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, we were big on Michael Warren, Patrick Taylor, but you know, they're, they weren't like true game breakers. But man, Gainwell just seems to be like somebody that, I mean, you you think NFL scouts are kind of gushing over this kid right now? There's not many guys in the whole country that are capable of putting up 300 yard games like that and i'm starting to think that players like him and pollard you know i'm not saying that pollard's was a high draft pick but guys that are capable of doing both running the ball and catching the ball are really becoming hot commodities i mean look at guys like little guys like Tariq cohen i mean darren sproles you know they, they make a living off of being able to do both things and Gainwell, I mean, I don't. I'm not saying he's going to go high, but there's no reason to doubt that he's not going to be say the same as Henderson as a maybe second round or excuse me a third round, fourth round pick, something like that. Just based off of what we've seen in just a couple games, too. That's the crazy part. It's literally only been a couple games that we've seen from this guy, but you can tell that once he's on a football field, he is a game changer. Yeah, we've already seen that. Now it's just a question of can he continue that success and probably not going to be at the same rate that he's been doing it, but can he continue that success and uh, over a long period of time? And, you know, he's a freshman, so we have two more years of him, which one. is unfortunate for anybody. It's only one. He's a redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt freshman? Yes. Oh, well, then he's not a true freshman. Whatever. So they, they – But still. I, I was reading up about that, so – Norvell really obviously from what we've seen this year he really wanted to use him last year at points but it's like one of those things that new rule the four game rule wasn't in effect yet so he really couldn't so he had to really just kind of hold on to him knowing that you know I mean you mentioned all the names earlier there was Henderson there was Henderson there was Taylor Pollard there was you know there was a lot going around there so all right, I guess now we're done gushing about yeah, Memphis. Yeah, let's 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 end it there. I like I, it. I do feel bad for Tulane now because they have been playing pretty solid all season long. I mean, they're a better team. It's just their we. It was their, It was that week for them. Yep, it was just and you know, like I said, everybody has a game where they don't play well, and unfortunately, it's came at a bad time. It's just really too bad. They're not a bad team. They just played bad and they got beat. How I feel about Temple? <laughs> not on Saturday, but I feel after I cooled off a little bit. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's do these over unders real quick before we get into what's ahead in Week Nine. Where are we at here? Who's winning? Am I winning? Like always. Current score. So last week, I got negative 76, and you got 187. So total score, if I added this up correctly, 
Assuming Hold on a second. 187? Even with that, I'm, that was that one game that was the number was monstrous. Yep. You did pretty good. All right. Uh, so you, uh, yeah, Tulane, Memphis, you had total yards. As you said, 945, the total was 803. And that was the only one that, like, was a bigger number for you. So you did. You did all right. So you're at you're at 204, and I'm at negative 129. So I'm doing pretty good. All right, who's in the lead? Who's going to go first this week? Uh, I have. Give me yours. All right. See, I wrote down six of them just in case so you went first. I know. I like. I I think of them and then I'm like. You know, given especially with how much we think alike, yeah, I'm like, that's I, why we've got to have at least two more. One more of like in each section. I was like, let me just do this just in case. All right, all right. Let me do. I want to do this one first. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that one first. Give me the completion percentage for Shane Bouchelle. Against Houston this week. Against Houston. Well, what's he doing on the season? That's the real question. It's got. It's got to be in the well. I know he's he's at sixty some percent for sure. I just don't know he's, if it's seventy. He's not at sixty something, buddy. He's not. That's interesting. He is a 56.6 completion percentage for this year, sir. Are you sure? Um, oh, that's for this game. What the hell? Why Why would it pop that up as the first thing when you click on I was on like, stand? I'm looking at the season. It's 64.8. Why would they do that? That's so stupid. But right, yes, well. yeah, 64.8. Excuse me. Sorry. That's dumb. You click on his name, and I'm expecting that to be his number for the season, not just one game. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, okay, completion percentage for Bouchel. I'm going to go with 68. Don't give you your satisfaction of a certain number, but should have said one more so I could have said something else. Yeah, exactly. That's what I should have said. All right, now I got a debate. Well, actually, since I'm going first, I get I could steal these from you. So exactly, yeah, yeah you have that. You have the luxury. All right, so then I'll do this one. Give me – these are your two favorite teams, by the way. Ooh. Give me the number of touchdowns between USF and ECU. <laughs> oh, yuck. Uh, touchdowns between these two teams. I'm going to go with six because I just don't think this is going to be a fun game to watch. Don't ask me who gets what. I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into the previews in a minute. Um, Yuck. Which one do I want to do? What a terrible game. Oh, don't really? Okay. Then in that case, I'll do this one next. <laughs> this number, well, depending on what you think of these two teams, might be higher. Give me the total number of yards for UConn versus UMass this week. Total yards? Yes, sir. I had to get you back after you did it to me last week. <laughs> You're gonna like my. I have a similar one, but not the not the same. Total yards for this game. We're gonna go with seven ten. That's seems high but they're so bad yeah umass is so bad i know yukon's bad but holy cow is umass worse we'll talk god they're just so we'll bad talk about how they're a favorite in a little bit they being yukon all right my last one i gotta pick between these two i like both of them dang umass gave up 69 points last week mm-hmm. nice um all right, what you got for the last one? I feel like that one's too easy, so I'll... Uh, no, you know what? I'll do that one, even though I like my other one. I should make you just do... Just tell, give me an answer for the next one in a second. Give me a total, do it. total number of yards for Gainwell this week. 
Oh man, I have to change one of mine. No, well, they're not. Cha- no, no, no. In that case, that's fine because I do have another one here. All right. Um. All right. Last week, and this was a number that blew my mind. SMU ran a hundred and nine plays against Temple last week. Didn't they have like fifty some early in the second quarter? Yeah, this is just insane. I mean, Temple just couldn't do anything offensively. So they. By the way, I, just I, didn't, even, I didn't even get to rant about all the drop passes so let's just stop it right there because i got really annoyed (laughs) somebody really doesn't want to talk but does want to talk about that game all right so smu ran 109 plays last week on offense so you tell me how many plays these ucf who i personally still think is the class of this conference record doesn't show it but i still think it's the best team in this conference no you don't Get out of here. All right, well, I guess we're going to find out in the upcoming weeks. Number of plays True. they run against Temple this week. Number of plays they run against Temple. Buh. 82. And that's that. That's mine. All right, well, we'll go right into mine real quick. Since you mentioned it, give me the total yards for Gainwell. Then I'll tell you what I would have guessed. 240. I was going to say 220. Isn't that insane? You're guessing 240 yards for one dude, but, like, it's not insane at the same time? It's not. Not with this guy. <laughs> not not All right. you've seen the past three weeks. I mean, there's no reason why you can go against that. Exactly. Okay. Uh, similar one. You mentioned the total, total yards for UConn and UMass. I want you to give me the total points for that game. Ooh, what's the over-under? Do you know? I didn't write that down. The over-under is... A number that I don't have. Vegas probably didn't pull one out there because they know they're going to get screwed either way they do it. I wonder, did Bovada have one? I'm pretty sure. Uh, all right. Give me another question. I'll look that up real quick. I can find that in seconds. Uh, okay. Uh, the next one I have is I assume that SMU is going to take care of business relatively easily against Houston, so I want you to give me the point differential for SMU. SMU is playing Houston. Over uh, over 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 under is sixty four for UConn okay. UMass. I was just about way. to say sixty three and a half is what I see it on the site that okay. I have. Um, okay, which one am I answering first now? Whichever one you want, I'm ready. All right, uh, points sixty three. Yeah, it's definitely going over that because both these defenses suck. Give me 56 for point. Oh, no. What did I say? What is the number? <laughs> 53. No, 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 no. Never mind. Never mind. Both teams are going I over. I... Give me the under. Give me 73. 73? These teams are terrible. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Now I'm trying to think. What's, what's the number for the other one? Oh, how many how many points is uh, SMU going to win by? The, the, yeah, the differential. They're favored by 14. Where are you getting these different numbers? I got 13. I'm on Bovada right now. Oh, I take them from ESPN. Okay. Uh, uh, well, I'm I'm on Bovada just because I was looking up that whatever. Yeah, ESPN has 13. Just I, it depends on who Houston starts a quarterback this week too. Honestly, it uh, it really doesn't though. It doesn't. I I, I mean it. I think it, it does, does a I, little bit. All right. I mean, there's well, okay. We saw this past week. There is a difference between Toon and Holgerson. That offense last week was terrible. Yes, but <sighs> it's still I I believe that SMU will cover regardless of who plays quarterback for Houston. Be Temple by how much? Twenty-four. I feel like they're gonna uh, give me man. He's ooh, give me t- same number twenty-four. Twenty-four. Wow. Give me the same number. All right. Will do. Last one I have for you. Gabriel Davis is having a monster year. This was another one. And I've written down for you. We really do. We, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop talking to each other so much. So he's having a monster year. We don't really talk about him enough, but that's all right. We'll get to him eventually. How many receiving yards does he have this week? Given that Reggie Roberson just... Caught, yeah, I know. Or, uh, caught eight passes for 250. 
Davis is just a whole other animal. I mean, we had that debate last week between the SMU guys and Davis. Oh, my God. I don't even want to think about this number just because it is against Temple. One thirty-six. One thirty-six. Oh, very specific. I like it. I don't know why. The, right. I don't know why that number came in my head, but it did. That's fine. I hope you're right on the dot. That's that. I hope I'm not. I hope it's thirty-six. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anyway, Temple. Oh, whatever. We're gonna talk in a second. But Temple's got that late game. Not too. As the person that's got to go to Philadelphia to cover the game. I would have much rather have preferred a 12 o'clock game as opposed to a 7 o'clock game. Well, It'll be a long so night for Joe. That's right. All right, let's get into week nine. And I guess the thing, now that I'm looking, because I put it here, the thing I didn't take into account when SMU goes to take on Houston is the fact that it's a Thursday night game, so it's a short turnaround. Now that's right. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot that, which means you and I have some work to do on some writing a lot quicker than we have the past couple of weeks. Um, Houston, as we just talked about, coming off a game where they struggled against UConn. I just put what? What did I say for this game? I don't even remember the number. I just said twenty-four. Twenty-four. Four. Yeah, that's. Man, I forgot the whole short turnaround part. That, Too late. that makes me want to say even more, to be honest. This is also means, Too late. This also means there's a short turnaround for Houston. So, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to be cute and hold tune out, figuring they were playing against UConn, and they could get away with uh, with Logan Hol- Holgerson playing that game to keep tune healthy which for this. Which they did. Which they did. You're right. They did manage to pull it off. It wasn't pretty but they did it was ugly but i i don't think putting tune in is going to slow down what we've seen from smu they're just clicking right now yeah their offense is humming for sure and if i, I think Houston. if you could do that to temple's defense maybe i'll be a little biased but that's i think is the best defense in this conference and i don't think it's close man nah, okay excuse me forgot about cincinnati for a second but um just from what we have seen from Temple this year, I mean, Temple held everybody under 20 points up until this game, for them, it seemed like. So, yeah, SMU is just going to like Houston up. Yeah, and Houston does not get pressure on the quarterback, and they're very thin in the secondary. So it's not a good combination if you're a Houston fan. I mean, if there's anybody still paying attention. To Houston? Yeah. I would hope so. It's uh, it's pretty rough right now. But what do you do? Keep playing. Yep. Keep keep pushing, and yeah, things will things will be all right. All right. Here's a game when I looked at the line, kind of surprised me a little bit because I don't think this line would have been this way. When we started the season, I would have to go back and look at it. I didn't do that because I'm lazy. Um, Tulane is a three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road against Navy. Now, I think if if Tulane pulls off the win against Memphis last week, are we looking at a different number? Uh, well, yeah, I would say definitely, yeah. I think it's still surprising that Navy's favored. I have no arguments against that. Well, I mean, we have talked uh, about for a couple of years now, Vince, whatever they got going on in Annapolis, somehow it works. Teams come there and they struggle. Yeah, but like who is, who has, well, okay, the Air Force win is beginning this looking better and better every week, given who Air Force continues to beat, but... Like they beat UCF, UCF, geez, USF, Tulsa, ECU, and Holy Cross. None of those wins that, granted, they were blowouts, but none of them make me think that they're they deserve to be favored against Tulane. I don't know. They're they're at home though, 
and Tulane just got killed. Yeah, but I think so. I think there is a difference between Navy and Memphis on both sides of the ball, especially defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's true. That's why, like, that's why for me, it's it, you're right. I think that line's weird to me too. Um, uh, we would have to go back and look at um, Bill Connolly's S and P rankings before the season because that's what we use when we uh, did our conference previews. But I know, I mean, I can almost guarantee that this was a game that Navy was not favored in before the season started. Well, and it's crazy that if Navy wins this game, they're already bowl eligible. Yeah. Well, that, and we're talking about them for the West Division title. And Tulane's did, not out of the picture, of but they're that, but yeah. in the back seat. Yes, you are right. We, then, that's just, that's wild, considering what we thought about both teams going into the season. I mean, we knew that Tulane would be the sleeper kind of team, but none of us saw this coming from Navy. But yeah, I mean, when I, I'll take into consideration what you said about you're kind of right that Navy has beaten teams that this year have proven not to be so good. I mean, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Navy just – I mean, USF is just god-awful, but they just took it to them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on. Well, we'll save that for another episode. There's a mess in <laughs> South Florida that yep. – that, um, Go go to the Daily Stampede because we know that they're just letting them have it about what's going on with Charlie Strong and that team down there. You at least expect mm-hmm. to score a touchdown against everybody in the country knows that Navy's defense is pretty soft. Doesn't matter what yep. they're doing on offense, all right? Yeah, that might be unique because you don't see option teams every week. But that defense is weak. You've got to be able to score something against them. They're so bad. So bad. All right, I guess we're... Speaking of bad teams. Yeah, right? I was just about to say, speaking of bad teams, let's, <laughs> let's get into this for the whole like 45 seconds I'm going to talk about it. Uh, UConn, like I said earlier, I just can't get over the fact they are a 10-point road favorite against UMass. How bad can you be, UMass? Yeah. If you I just, mean, UConn's been the laughing stock of college football for, what, the past year and a half. And then, I, I mean, what do you call UMass then? Yeah. The fact that UConn, yeah. I don't need to say anything else. The, the line says everything you need to know about this game. No, 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 no. You know what tells you everything you need to know about this game? It's not on TV, apparently. Also true. That tells you everything you know about this. I mean, who's who's dying to watch UConn versus UMass? Let's be honest. Uh, what do they call this? I, saw, I read it. The U game, apparently, is what they're calling it. I don't know why they would call that. There's a way better U. Should have been on ESPNU then. Ooh, I like that. No one would watch. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> this is a perfect time for me to go to the next one then. Well, who's going to watch the game that is on ESPNU at that time? And that is USF versus ECU. I'm going to watch it just to make you upset. I mean, you could have fun. I won't. The only thing that intrigues me about this, so two, three, and four teams, like I said, it's on ESPNU. The Bulls are a favorite on the road. And from what we have seen from that team this year, they shouldn't be favored in any game this year. Yeah, but neither should ECU. <laughs> so someone's got to be favored, I yeah, guess. I guess you caught me there. Well, I was okay. I, I, well, the I ECU could be a pick them. I yeah, guess pick them. There you go. It should be that or the ECU was maybe the they should be the one and a half point favorite because they are the home team. Literally, that would be the only reason I would do that. But yeah, if you are um, if you're a fan of the AAC, there's three games in that three thirty ish window. There's only one you want to watch. The other two, you can forget about. Don't you don't have to click the the last channel or you know whatever it is on your remote. Just just stick to that game that's on uh, CBS Sports Network between Tulane and Navy. This is the last game for USF that they'll be favored. That doesn't shock me from what we've seen from them. And it's not 
Yeah, and it won't be close for the next because they have Temple, Cincinnati, Memphis, and UCF left after this week. That's not looking good. This could be a three and nine team. And when we brought, I think we both said when we brought Nathan Bond from the Daily Stampede on here, like he kind of convinced us of a. If I remember right, he convinced us like almost a seven eight win season. Yeah, and, I think he was also cautious, though, saying that. It wasn't like he was, fair, yeah, yeah, we're for sure winning seven games. But I don't think he or anybody over there at the Daily Stampede thought, hey, this could be a three or four win oh, We team. definitely didn't think that either, I don't think. No, that's we for sure. We definitely didn't even think that. I mean, we've had our run-ins with some Bulls fans the past couple of years, but we didn't see this coming at all. Yeah. That's why I kind of like it a little bit. Um, let's go on to a game. The fun game. A fun game. I don't see. Since I have Temple as the my favorite team on ESPN, I always forget that they are not first on the list. Um, I mean, they're at the same time, so who cares? Oh, what yeah, order you're going. right. I didn't even realize that until now. Um, we'll talk that game. UCF, 5-2 and two team is a 10-point favorite on the road against Temple, also a 5-2 and two team. You want to watch it? 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Earlier I said I still think UCF is the class of the conference. I'm sticking behind that. I'm comp- uh, Actually, so I guess that's what I really want to ask you because you said that. What is making you not think that? Are you just all in on SMU? Uh, no, well, I mean, SMU's shown me a lot more than UCF has this year for, well, obviously. Uh, Cincinnati beat UCF. I like them better. Memphis, I don't like them better than UCF, but I think they're right there. And then there's just, there's just so much competition this year. And I don't, I mean, don't count Temple out either. The weird thing, though, is that it... (laughs) If whoever loses the UCF Temple game is pretty much eliminated from winning the division. No, I don't think it's pretty much. I think it's a guarantee at this point. Well, they've only played three to three conference teams I mean, okay, so far. Well, it'll be their fourth. So, all right, I understand what you're trying to say, but 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 yeah, I get. I what think you're it's a three too. team race on the east side. East side. Um, <laughs> and Ghetto Joe's coming yeah, why out. Not? And yeah, I, mean, I think we they're pretty much done. That's it. I think those three teams are it. You know what I mean? If Tem- so if Temple loses this game, you know, like we talked about. Actually, uh, see, no, because it have I mean, it doesn't technically count because it's not against each other, but that loss to SMU is going to come back to haunt Temple, I think. Yeah, that's what hurts hurts them a lot is that they didn't lose to a division Foe, it but... still counts as a conference loss. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's what's going what hurts them. At least for UCF's sake, it was somebody on their side, so they can get the help. The help would be would be this game. You get the win over Temple, and then you know obviously somehow Temple knocks off Cincinnati, and then we're in that whole scenario, whatever the freaking tiebreakers are. But yeah, this game, yeah. It's... But this game, like you said, it does have major implications in the East. Yeah, because Cincinnati's undefeated, and they they already beat UCF, and they just have Temple left. Granted, they could you know they can lose to Western teams, but they they're in the driver's seat right now, and the loser of this game is UCF. Already needs help to win the division, and they lose another one, and then they're for sure out of the running. No, for I mean I don't think Temple has anything made. I mean maybe I'm I'm not sold on that we can dominate Tulane. I mean I, I don't see that game being a cookie. Yeah, it's a home game for us, but you know, I, those teams with offensives like that they kind of scare me a little bit. Yeah. Well, so back back to UCF, they're also battling a ton of injuries. So, like Greg McRae's not playing, and there's a handful of other. Yeah, I saw his numbers because I have him in uh, our 
our college fantasy league, and I was like, man, why is his number so low? And I found out he was banged up. Yeah, and it's it was weird to see Otis Anderson of all people. I mean, don't get me wrong, we've been building him up, but like he's almost third running back at, at UCF, and he led the team in carries this week. I don't know if that had yeah, more to do just, with who they were playing, but yeah, well, and like I said last week, the magic the magic with this team is gone. So that's another thing that they don't have with them. So I just it's now they're just a good team that is not as consistent. So see, I'm worried that this is the week, you know, because they've. I think okay. Do we both think that they should have destroyed UCU a little bit more last week? Probably. Yeah, but with what they're do the injuries they were dealing with, it was like. They're up thirty-five to six. That's what I mean. So, like, I mean, they kind of just like you know, they could have almost slept through that game, and they would have been fine. I have, and that's what I'm worried about. I have a feeling that they're going to come, come to us this week and just remind people that they're still the class of the conference. Which that's what they need right exactly. now. Exactly, and that's that's why I'm you know that's why I'm fearful of that. Just because I just think that, and Temple would be the perfect team to do it to. Yep. It really. I mean. Especially since Temple is, you know, they're a little bit down right now coming off. I mean, just how Bouchelle just lit them up. Yep, they're vulnerable. Starting the last game of the week is a 6-1 Memphis team, a 10.5-point favorite against Tulsa. Also at 7 p.m. if you want to watch the CBS Sports Network. I have a feeling... That this game, there's a lot of games this week actually that are in the American that you might be seeing on underdogs against the spread. Um, I, you think so? What has Tulsa done to impress you this year? Oh, oh, that way. Okay. Oh, you thought I was going to go the other way? You lost your mind. I thought you were. I thought you were hinting. I was like, really? That's interesting. No way. I think this okay. number actually. When I first saw it, I was expecting somewhere between fourteen, seventeen. When I see it all the way down to ten and a half, I'm like, huh? What's going on here? Yeah, it's. I know some people point to so Tulsa has kept some games close, and then you know it always seems to be the fourth quarter where things really open up. But for gambling purposes, that fourth quarter matters. So, yeah. It's true. Ten and a half. Yeah. Memphis going to have a field day against the Golden Hurricane. The other – so the other – what's it called that I had written down for you, actually? The other over-under that I had for you was going to be because I've been liking Memphis's defense. It was what could Zach Smith do against that defense? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, Tulsa's offense has been ugly. Not as ugly as the previous years, but yeah, still, yeah. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> it's like we want to compliment them so bad, but. I, I So, I feel like even early on in the season, I thought the defense and I guess it was maybe maybe it was just because of similar comparisons to last year, but the defense would kind of keep them close. I mean, even the game that it looked a lot worse that that lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, the score there, there was a real late rushing touchdown that makes it look like a lot worse. But Tulsa was was still kind of in that game, and they always seemed to be in the game until, like I said before, a little bit late. But. Yeah, I think Memphis is just going to – that train seems to be kind of cooking a little bit. And I think this is the perfect time to get a Tulsa team that is struggling right now. Yeah, and a coach that seems to be on his way out. Uh, that was my next question for you. Beat me to it. I mean, it's, it's you got to make a bowl game, honestly, to me. What, otherwise, what is he – He's gonna make a one-win improvement if they don't. Like, it's, is that what you really want? You. So that was gonna be my question. Like I said, you think this is it for him? I 
It looks like it, even though this looks like a better team overall than last year. Their, their record probably not going to show it. Yeah. Yeah, I think by season's end, or maybe he might be similar to the other Montgomery in the conference last year. This might happen a little bit before the season ends. Oh, yeah. Never want to see a guy get fired, but it's the nature of the business, man. Mm-hmm. Don't want to see coaches get plucked away before bowl games either. Um, yeah, I'm talking to you, Matt Rule, Jeff Collins, Steven Daza. <laughs> I can just go down the whole list of all the Temple guys that have left us before the bowl game. All right, let's end this here before I get in rabbit holes that I don't need to get into. We want to thank you again for listening to another episode of the Underdog Podcast. If you're not following us on Facebook or Twitter, please do so. Leave us a review. Tell us how good we are. Tell me that my voice is beautiful. Say that Joe's got beautiful hair. I don't care what you got to go with. Yeah. Whatever you want to talk about. Just leave us a solid review. We would greatly appreciate it. Also, make sure you're following our guys. The other Joe, I don't want to call him other Joe, but the third Joe that also does a podcast at Underdog Dynasty and Eric, they do the uh, Conference USA podcast, and they do a fantastic job. Actually, we steal some of their ideas sometimes. But, yeah, on that note, Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Underdog Podcast. And more importantly, thanks for listening to this Joe Talk.